0: Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Thank you, Terry. As a worship leader, thank you for being who you are, a worshiper. God bless you. Orchestra, praise band, and choir, and soloists, thank you for using your gifts. We give God the glory. You didn't get them by just... Existing. God gave you gifts and gave us gifts. Aren't we blessed, church? The blessing that God speaks to our hearts through that. Welcome today. If you're one of our guests, thank you for joining for our simulcast. We welcome you, whether you're in our own state in Asheville or Wilmington or out of state in places like Tallahassee, where some of my family is, and also the other part of our states, or around the world. Welcome today. We are in a little, little mini series last week, a soul seeking saint. A God-seeking soul from the book of Acts, chapter 8. As we get ready to start today, perhaps you heard about the misfortune that came to Bubba. You might want to say, on the count of three, what happened? One, two, three. He and Cletus got hurt while they were ice fishing. Thank you. How did they get hurt? They were hit by a Zamboni. Some of you don't know what a Zamboni is, do you? (laughs) It's that little ice shaving thing they do on for ice skating rinks and all that. So even if you know, it's still bad. But it's still, right, (laughs) didn't help it. Yeah, that's what happened. Now, what happened? What happened is a little bit of a theme... That uh, is going to take a motif today in our message as we look about, uh, well, our own lives, our own world. Well, I have to say one day, what happened to so-and-so? Or perhaps even today as we look at this particular episode in the life of Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch, what happened? The question begs itself for lots of events, what happened? Some of you were not alive in, uh, well... In February of 1962, you might say, what happened? We'll be looking at that during today's message. You'll bring up today messages about a soul-seeking man, a God-seeking soul, and a couple of maps we'll have up here. This is a quick, quick refresher. Thank you, and I mean that. We'll have to go through with just catching up a little bit. We have some folks joining for the first time today. If you can bring those maps up for us, they'll be coming on up. The maps are going to show the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. You can see here, we looked at this last week. Philip gets instructed not to take this road here, the coastal road. He gets instructed to take this desert road here. And you can see over here is the Dead Sea. You see Jerusalem. He's instructed to get on this road. Why? What's in the desert? Where are we going? What's that about? He goes and he does it. We find Philip. We also find a God-seeking soul by... Well, we don't get his name other than he's a treasure of this great, great kingdom. Of bringing up that all the way down here south of Egypt right here, all the way down here in Ethiopia. He has to come all the way from here, all the way down here, hundreds and hundreds of miles. He's in something called a chariot. Some of you came today in a chariot with four wheels and a diesel, gasoline, or electric motor. But we have some early depictions with some stone carvings of what some of these things look like. This is just a depiction of some of them. By these, some of them are 2,500 years old, 2,500, 2,000, 1,800 years old. And there's lots of them you can go online and you can see. Some are used in battle. Some are used for travel. And we have an idea of what these things look like. If you had this depiction of that great, great classic movie, Ben-Hur, it's not some guy with eight horses in front with sharp things on his wheels, cutting off somebody, although they did use some of that. Some of the chariots are more described as things that you could sit in that had some cover on it, and certainly a wealthy person, a person of high position and power, would not be uh, steering and riding his own chariot. He would have people to do that for him. This is just a depiction here of what this probably looked like. It's more accurate than a picture we have in our mind of this sole person that's driving along in this chariot because he is the treasurer over an entire kingdom. For the queen Candace, Candace is a word that's used for like a title like Pharaoh. It means it's an exclusive, very big position over this whole empire. So he no doubt came all the way from Ethiopia, To Jerusalem with an entourage. He's not going on this thing alone. There's probably lots of people walking alongside the horses, someone that is steering it. There's probably shade for him. Uh, People alongside that are walking with an entourage that would carry food, would carry supplies. And so it's a big to do. It's not some, oh yeah, there's a guy that just came like that. He's the treasurer, he's in charge of the money. And so there he is. The Word of God tells us in Acts 8.29 that the Spirit told Philip go to the chariot and stay near it. That may sound like something that's, well, could that be intimidating? The answer is yes. Because I said there's probably an entourage there, and Phil's supposed to run up. He's not part of this Ethiopian delegation. He's just some guy. And he's supposed to run up to this thing and go near it. So the Spirit tells them, go do this. Let me just say this right off the bat. Sometimes what the Spirit of God is telling us doesn't make sense to us. Does it? Doesn't make sense. God do not want to do that. That doesn't seem to make sense. But the Word of God tells us it doesn't have to make sense. God's ways are way higher than our ways. Word of God says in Galatians 5, 16, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. God has directed me in some places that in my mind, I thought, this can't be the right thing. When I would take students to Beach Reach in South Padre Island years ago, great college students that would sacrifice during spring break, they would pay money to go live in beautiful conditions down there, wink, wink, looked like a little kind of a tent city where we stayed. It was not a pretty thing. we were in these block buildings that were rented out. I'll tell you how inexpensive they were. They were, even back then, on the beach, like $8 a night. It was not great. Bunk beds made out of two by fours and really thick mattresses, maybe about as thick as a cheap steak, right? But we didn't care because we weren't in them hardly at all anyway. We'd be Talking to people seven at night to seven in the morning on vans where we'd give rides to students that were down there, 60, 80, 75,000 students just going down to the party. Weren't into much. Seven at night to seven in the morning. Get out of the vans. Then we would go and start a breakfast, a pancake breakfast for free for anyone that wanted to come. We cook as many pancakes as people would come, and just cooking them for me was a major issue right there, right. Then after that, we'd sleep for a couple hours, get up, and we'd start lunch. Then we would start a Sun, a sunburn ministry on the beach. It is a long week, and if you weren't thinking about a vacation, that may have just said, that doesn't sound like much of a vacation to me. I hope it is exciting. Because you know what? We're 35, 40 students against 60, 80,000. And one rule we had, do not take someone on a ride in those vans before 7 o'clock. Why? Because someone's going to say, if you pick up someone before that, and someone calls the next day, you picked up what? So and so. So, we didn't. But there was an exception this one time, because one of the students came in, it was by the phone, it was ringing. We had a special number, was dedicated to our number if you need a ride. And a person came in, to call a college student, and said... This person saying we're a bunch of hypocrites, we're a bunch of liars, we said, we'll give you rides at any place on the beach, and da da da, 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 da. and here I need a ride da, da, da. and just and you don't really believe in a God, I don't believe you got, and call us everything under the sun. They came in and said, Pastor Joe, this is what this person's saying. I said, Give me the phone. Let me explain. They have some explaining, right? <laughs> so anyway, I got in the phone, I'm listening to this guy, and the Spirit of God just said, I need to go get this guy. Now, if a Geritelli is leaving a dinner meal, you know it's got to be of God, right? Some you already know that about, it, right? It's of, God. it's of God. But I had a godly anger in me because he was slandering God, saying, all that were taking place, I didn't care about the food at that time anyway, which is also a miracle. So I took someone with me, we picked up the student. And on the way back began to talk to him about the Lord. That's the conditions we have in the van. If you're going to be in that van, we're going to talk to you about Jesus. And found out that first of all he's kind of shocked we came and didn't know who we'd come and get him, didn't know I was, or this other person with me, but we're both in ministry. We knew something about unbelief, unbelievism and believism and religions and worldviews. And started to talk to this guy and he we found him to be incredibly open. He never heard the real gospel. And by the time we got to where this fraternity was, where he was part of, there were hundreds of people milling around on this beach site in this parking lot. Because this person was late for the big meeting they were having. We didn't know that he was the president of the fraternity. And so when they saw him captured in the Jesus van, (laughs) they began to gather around and saying, let him out. And we didn't have any locked door or anything. And so since people down there at this particular fraternity were in the spirit, and I mean this, they began to think, we'll get him out. We'll tip this van over. It's always a great thing as a pastor to go back to church and say, you'll never guess how our van caught on fire and we almost got killed, right? But they're shaking this thing, and it's actually leaving the ground on one side So they're doing this, as we're trying to explain to them, don't do this, but we're hanging on for dear life. But that president calmed down. They didn't want to hurt that president there, and they stopped. And it wasn't shortly after that 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 young man got on his knees with people looking in the windows, cursing and yelling, and prayed to receive Jesus. I mean, it was awesome. Incredible. That's what God wanted to do that day and led many in that fraternity to Jesus. I'm telling you that to say this. It did not make sense to me. And sometimes God says, you're going to do something that's different. I know there's a rule, but this is an exception. And God used that. Be sensitive to the spirit of God doing some incredible things in your life. You see, Philip, on this day, this didn't make any sense. God I got, thing. I need to go get water, I need to get some supply. I need to go do something else. No, go get on a desert road and run up to a chariot from some person you don't know from a place where you've never been, and just go there and do what I say to do. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you just need to do something that's counterintuitive, because God is leading, and we do it. What happened? It's a motif through our whole life, but let me just say this. God puts significant dynamics in place for believers and unbelievers. I had my moments in life where believers were there ready to talk to me about Christ. You're going to have yours. Be looking. So we have this story. There we have Philip. The Word of God tells us when we're controlled by the Spirit of God, we can expect to be led by the Spirit of God. The question is for us, are we being controlled by the Spirit of God? Because even though it says in Romans eight fourteen, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, what it presupposes, if you have a life that's not being led by the Spirit of God, are you really a son or a child of God? If you don't have any experience, say, I'm not being led by the Spirit, I just do what I want to do and I suit up and show up at my meeting here and there, that's not biblical Christianity, dear friend. That's religion. Biblical Christianity is being led by the true and living God. And we say we believe in the true and living God and God expects his people to live it. He sees the word fall on lots of soil. Soil where it never enters. Soil where it gets, uh, dies out because it falls on rocky ground. And soil that gets choked out by the cares of the world. But it also falls on good soil like that uh, fraternity present. And something comes up called fruit. Bring up the next slide. So... The Spirit's at work in hearts of unbelievers all over the world. God's already working on people that you're praying for or you may not even know yet, but He's working on them. How do I know? Because the Word of God tells us. Look at the passage in John 16:8 through 11 When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to my Father, where you can see me no longer. In regard to judgment, because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. You may be listening today and have had your fights with God, your concerns for God, your sophistication in something you read, saw, or something you thought and said, well, this can't be right, or that can't be right, the Bible can't be right, dear friend today, God is still reaching out to you. If you're hearing these words today, He's still reaching out to you. Period. And He expects you and I to go forward and be ready to step in that place to be a willing witness for His honor and His glory. So, God is doing that, and it's the miraculous power of the Spirit. I think sometimes we're So techno-minded. We're living in a world we don't take things for granted. How many of you thought today, wow, my car has climate control in it? Right? Wow, this is so... Think about most of history didn't have that. Right? Wow, my tires are good. There was a time when tires would last 200 miles. 400 miles. They'd always blow up. They had tubes in them. They were going over roads that had potholes big enough. There weren't potholes or really bathtub holes. They're just driving those things and we weren't thinking about it. And sometimes we can get so connected to the sophistication that we have that we can miss the fact what the Word of God says here. Look in John 16:13, the miraculous power of the Spirit of God, but when He, the Spirit of truth comes, is telling us, you and I as believers, He will guide you into all truth. All truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. I love that part because God knows what's in the next day for that unbeliever or the next year for them or for me or for you. I've told this before, but it bears repeating in this sense. I was driving, I was late leaving a meeting at the University of Texas in Arlington trying to get back to my office. I hate being late. Don't, some of you hate that. Some of you are saying, no, I love it. I do it all the time. No, but we, I hate it. I already called the office and said, I'm, I'm going to be late. Please apologize for me. You just get that sick feeling in your gut. I'm a pastor. I told him I'd be there at this time and I'm not there. You just have to own it. So I'm driving back. Boom, I start back. Spirit says, go see Linda. I know that we have someone that's part of our church. That's a principal in this little town I'm going through on the way back, but I don't give another thought. I thought, yeah, I'll go see her sometime. That's, that's, yeah, I, I will. Now you kind of talk to yourself in your brain. Or is that only me? It's only you. Okay. All right. I drive a little further. Same thing comes to my mind. Go see Linda. What's that about? God, is that you? Ah, probably just me. I just thought about it. I'll think about it again. I get to the busiest intersection in the universe. One that has a turn signal, another turn signal, a helicopter sickness, everything that you get there for so long. You know, you can eat your lunch there and the light changes. So I'm waiting to get through this and it comes in my head, go see Linda. I turn around, have to go through the halfway through it, and I go back. Now remember, early on when I left this meeting, driving just a little bit, it said go see her. I don't even know where the school is. But I remembered seeing a sign that said, school zone. So I go back to where I see that sign. I make a left turn. I'm going down there. Should there be another sign? Tells me there's a school. I see a sign. I make another turn. I see a school say this. I think this, I think this is it. I hope this is it. Is this it? I walk in, I'm going down the hall. I see a a, a note for the principal's office. I walk in there. There's a secretary that's kind of teary eyed. Sam here to see Linda. I just came out of her office. I just got off the phone because a call came in from her sister that her favorite nephew in the whole world just took his life. The Spirit of God told me to go there before that call ever came to that school. God did that. And you see, I did see Linda in there and I prayed with her. And she knew God was bringing comfort to her. But God also had a secretary out there that was kind of on the bubble with Jesus. When someone comes in where God has done a miraculous work like that, and you tell them, I don't know why. I I said, this sounds crazy. God told me to come by here. How did you know? I told her. She wasn't on the bubble after that, I promise you. Right? Right? God may tell you something that's counterintuitive or crazy like go run alongside of a chariot God will show you what is yet to come I've got more stories about that I'm not trying to pick up some anomaly of one I'm telling you one you're a little bit familiar with because it's lengthier than that but it's true and it's amazing it's the spirit of God bring up the next slide if you would you see we need to have a sensitivity to the spirit of God his directives and it comes through our willingness to be surrendered and controlled by the Spirit. Acts 10, 19 and 20 says, While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Peter didn't know that. Tells him before it happens. So get up, go downstairs, do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Wow. God's working on for his own good and his behalf and our behalf to show us things that are happening. We've lost sight of the fact that God still does supernatural things through ordinary people like Philip, like me, and like you. God didn't say, I'll show you this vision because you went to seminary. And say to Philip, Philip hadn't been to some seminary. God will show you, but I wonder how many times we negate that or blow it off of something else when it's God all the time. Say, it can't be God, that doesn't make sense. Let me say something to you. That's the time to really, really look. Because when it doesn't make sense, you know it's not you. Right? Get up from your meal. That can't be me. <laughs> I know that's not me. That's got to be God with that. Now look, when we listen to God, he will lead us and he will guide us. He will show us. Every day we're making decisions in our lives. Every day we make choices. Choices that contain seeds of potential success or potential failure. Failure to... Be a part of some incredible thing. So if you wonder sometimes it can't happen every day like that, where there's never anything supernatural coming your way. Could it be? Are we just not listening? Are we missing it? Acts 8.30 tells us what continues to happen here. It says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, in your timing, or perhaps go back to Philip, Was Philip thinking, you know, today would be a great day to run up to some chariot of a guy I don't know, coming from a country I've never been to, with this entourage around them, which is very intimidating. Can't do that. And hear him reading from Scripture? You think that was on Philip's mind that day? Let me ask you this. Was it on God's mind? Mm. God knew it. God knew it. and God had been preparing a soul-seeking saint and a God-seeking soul. You see, God does significant dynamics when we're willing to listen to him. He puts them in place. And here he had a couple of people coming on this bizarre day. And Philip runs up to the chariot. Now, if you are leaving today in your car and you just pull into a parking lot. Someone's leaving a parking lot, perhaps down the street at the shopping center, and you start running alongside a car. How smart do you feel, right? You don't feel very smart, do you? Now, if your hood is open or something, the door, you know, they may run up to you. But I mean, it's bizarre. I understand how counterintuitive this is. I understand this is a God thing, I have to say that because we become so mechanical, we'd be able to see and touch and press and have whatever we want that we can miss the mystery of God Almighty doing some incredible thing. Because it doesn't make sense to us. I love when someone says, Well, I I can't believe in God because I don't understand God. Sir, you can't even make a birdhouse. <laughs> right? Can't understand God. God by nature in the fullest sense of who he is, is inexplicable. If he's not, then he's not God of the Bible. It's not something we have there? Oh, I can understand all about this. Yes, I do see when God was thinking about fish and all the different sizes, this is what he did. When he thought about mammals, he thought, I'm going to put in this system this sonar in their head and then have it be able to dive down so many atmospheres that a human being would explode just a little bit of that. God thought of all. Of course we don't understand his mind. Philip does something counterintuitive. runs up to a chariot. Don't ever think if something doesn't make sense to you, don't do it. You listen to the Spirit of God. That next one, please. Thank you. As we look along, as we remember some important information. That we see, Philip obeyed the Spirit of God. Something seemed foolish. He heard the man reading... Isaiah the prophet. What does that tell you? If he heard the man reading, what does that mean? He's reading out loud. Any of you for devotions today read your Bible out loud? Any of you read devotions today? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) He's reading it out loud. So I I have to... The Bible doesn't tell us why. Perhaps he wants all the people in his entourage to hear it. It seems to... He's a God seeker, isn't he? Now, understand this. For him to have a scroll of Isaiah being a Gentile is a pretty bizarre thing. This is like he said, I'm going to the life way in Jerusalem and getting an Isaiah scroll. Right? These things are all handwritten. And they're not cheap. They're pricey. But he wants that. But you know, it just begs the question to me again once again, as I look inductively into scripture, why Isaiah was there a sale on Isaiah scrolls that week? Probably not right Why Isaiah? well, you know in the book of deuteronomy chapter twenty three verse one the Word of God for bad and eunuch to enter into the temple verse that actually talks about that, but he still goes to Jerusalem, probably went in the court of the gentiles couldn 't go in. The eunuch could not be a proselyte of Judaism. He would have to remain like Cornelius, a God seeker. That is, he could go to a synagogue and he could read and have scripture, but he was never full fledged. But in the book of Isaiah, chapter 56, verses 3 through 5, address eunuchs. See, they weren't able to have children. And it says, better than sons or daughters. I will make you better than that. I will give you an everlasting name. A name that will be forevermore. And I don't know if he heard that somewhere or thought there is a God that says, here's, here's something this God offers. I will give you an everlasting name. You're not going to have offspring. And in that day and time, that was so important to carry on the name. God says in that passage, I'll give you an everlasting name, a name that will last forevermore. Don't know if he heard that or knew about that, but that's, where, that's what's found in that book. He's not reading there at that point. But next week we'll see he's in chapter 53. What do we have here? What do we have at work? Listen to these dynamics. They're simple. We have the Spirit of God. Is He working? We have a, well, a soul-seeking man that's surrendered. So we have a surrendered person that God is working through, the Spirit's working through. We have a seeker God has been preparing and we have something else. The Scriptures. It's all right there. It's laid out, and that man couldn't have figured that out no more at the beginning of the day than... than they could figure out exactly what was going to happen on February 20, 1962. They didn't know. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. Go to the next one. And Philip took the initiative to speak to the man. He saw an open door. Do you understand what you are reading? God just opened the door up right for him, didn't he? It would be pretty bizarre if he did go to that parking lot down the street. You're running alongside the car and they're reading out of the Bible out loud. Right? Think about that. See, we have Bibles near printed all over the place. Now they're all over the place in that day and time to find someone from a... Gentile, pagan country with all kinds of worship of nature, which I talked about last week. Nature. Kind of like today. There's someone reading out of Isaiah. Philip's just being obedient. And he's there. He took the lead. didn't wait for the man to ask. And he said, man, this is, this is, too, this is too significant. It's crazy. God directs him to a person That's a real seeker. There was good soil there, wasn't there? There was at least prepared soil, wouldn't you say? Look what God did. February 20th, 1962. There was a Cold War taking place all, well, between Soviet Union and the United States. Soviets sent up a man in space and came back and said, I didn't see God. Right? We went in outer space, it went 100 and something thousand feet up, whatever, however high it was. The United States had fallen behind. On February 20th, 1962, a man by the name of John Glenn, how important was it? They brought televisions into classrooms in our elementary school, and we watched it. It was crazy. This is back in 1914. No, (laughs) it's 1960. They brought television. We're watching this thing. And this is from the Greensboro Record, I guess before. Was that the news and record from years ago? The Greensboro Record. It says, Glenn orbits Earth three times. But if you read the articles and look at this, they didn't know what happened to a person that went up in outer space. What happened? What happened? They wanted to know what, what happened. When he comes back, is, he gonna, is his ear going to be down to his feet? Is he going to have a heart attack? Is the lungs, you know, John Glenn goes on to serve in Congress and lived a long life. But they didn't know what would happen. He took a tremendous risk, didn't he? Had two teenagers at the time, a boy, a son, and a daughter. They're watching at home, talks about that. Pretty interesting to read in kind of real time what was happening. well it was the only way. He couldn't Google that back then, right? What happened? Everyone here has a motif for their life. What happened? Whatever happened to that life? Were they a risk taker. Did they believe that God's spirit was working? Were they surrendered to the spirit? Were they in the business of looking and say, "God, lead me to a seeker"? And are the scriptures involved that so I can even explain them to someone? Because Philip, to tell him next week. I can explain that to you. Do you know what that's about? You know what's crazy. This man is such a microcosm of the 21st century. He had everything he could want. No doubt a tremendous entourage. He is a big name person. He has money. He has power. And he's empty inside. And he knew it. And he's seeking after something else. He had it all, but he was empty. And you and I are living in a world filled with empty Just empty souls. They fill it, anesthetize, all of us can anesthetize ourselves in the barrenness of busyness. Busy saving fish, birds, the earth and every other thing. And we need to be good ecologists, let me say that. Not crazy, but good, God's God's earth, isn't it? What about the ecology of souls? What about when we look out and see people that are bound for heaven or hell? One or the other. Uh, Pastor, that's uncomfortable to think about. I know it. Isn't it? cross is uncomfortable to think about, isn't it? But we either believe it or we don't. We either say, you know what, God, I'm willing to be used, and I'm going to ask pastors to come forward now. Because right now, God may have already put something on your mind or heart that may seem a little crazy. Maybe your report before your class in your university or high school. Maybe something in a workplace where you say, you know, I'm going to start a Bible study there, a D group there. But so-and-so, there's no believers there. Not yet. I believe God's directing me that way. We become so accustomed to living in comfort and ease and not taking a risk that it almost becomes normal because we can look at everyone else and it looks normal, Barry. But is God normal? God's not normal. God's out there in the best sense. So why do we expect everything to always look normal? Sometimes God just get out of your comfort zone and believe me and step out there in faith. Do something that looks like it's crazy. As I said to you many times when it does, that's the Spirit of God. You know it's not you. Today, if you'd like to pray with someone, or for yourself to say, Pastor, today, I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to see God do miraculous things. Dear friend, you have to be controlled by the Spirit. That means you're not being controlled by the sinful nature. Do you know in the book of Galatians 5, 19 and 20, one of the acts of the sinful nature is idolatry and self-ambition? Oh, thank God I'm not an idolater. My friend... If you listen to your fear, you're an idolater. You love yourself more than you love God. You see, wow, ow, it's true, isn't it? So today, you can come forward for prayer. Today, if you don't have a church home, we invite you to come as a candidate for membership today. Someone come last hour like you. If God has led you, don't fight it. Just be part of that. We have a new members class starting up next month. God will bless you to be part of a Bible-believing church. And lastly... Listen carefully. Today may be the last time you hear that Jesus Christ loved you. He paid the penalty for your sins, my sins on the cross when he bled and died and rose three days later. And he's offering eternal life to those who will put their faith and trust in him. Not a religion, not in me, a pastor, any other person, but only in God Almighty, God who took on flesh, that he made the complete payment for sin, rose from the tomb, And wants to give you an abundant life. You receive him as your savior. the only one that can save you from hell. And then you receive him as your Lord. Where you repent of sins. You stop controlling your own life. And you begin to give control of your life over to Jesus Christ. I would say this to you very humbly. Someone sat in this room not too long ago. That not far after that. They weren't on this earth anymore. They heard it for the last time. There was no fruit in that life. Listen carefully. God wants you to show that the word has fallen on good soil. Not some kind of religious soil, but real soil where something grows. I'm saying to you today, if God has spoken to your heart and you need to receive Christ, don't wait. It's not a joke. Please stand, respond as God has spoken to your heart. Don't waste any time. We'll not wait long. You come as God has spoken truth from his spirit and led you today.